Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. This is episode number 63. I'm your host, Diane Emerson. I'm the author of the book, which is now available, called Psychopaths in Our Lives by Interviews, which is available on Amazon, iBooks, and the other platforms. Anyhow, um, I really appreciate all your emails this week because I really do appreciate hearing your questions and your thoughts because, like I've said before, it helps to guide me. You know, at first I'd like to think of this show as a chat we're having over a cup of coffee. Do you realize that if you contributed the cost of a cup of coffee, you would be showing your support for this work to continue? This effort takes all of us for it to work. We cannot deny evil exists. We need to understand the impact on our lives and how we can function when faced with it. Identifying it and calling it what it is is a huge first step. So today, speaking of that... I would like to talk about a question that I have is, do psychopaths deserve love? Um, One thing that's very obvious is that victims are so abused that they hold it against themselves. You know, they're overwhelmed with things like, how could I not have seen this? Why didn't I react before? And people tend to feel ashamed because they feel they've been so stupid. And on top of that, no one believes them. But what I'd like to um, share with you today um, are some observations. Um, It has to do whether psychopaths deserve love and why all of this resistance, both in society and with people who are actually bona fide victims of psychopaths, to call evil for what it is. There's a certain, what I've noticed is that um, there's a certain way that people tend to express how they're guarding their feelings about the situation. And by guarding their situations, what I mean is that, guarding their feelings, excuse me, is that people express a lot of emotions about being ashamed of hurting them, meaning the psychopaths. And I think a lot of that comes from a continuing effort to hope for a better outcome. But really, how long does that hope go before it fades? And what I'd like to introduce here, too, is that, we I keep saying this over and over, is that with PTSD, a lot of these decisions may sound very simple up front. You may say, yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. I got to break away. Um, but what happens is, is that the decision-making process becomes more complicated because this person has learned your, learned your behaviors and how to reel you back in. So what there is a lot of going on is... Hang, besides the hanging and they're hoping for, I'm not sure what people are hoping for. Um, the patterns have been the same. The um, information has all been there as far as, I think to a large degree, if anybody treated a person the way they treat themselves, which is a lot of times rather poorly, people would be pretty appalled. But then yet we seem to accept this abuse from a psychopath and have some need to feel like maybe they deserve love. And a lot of that goes in the very beginning, this burning desire to fix and heal and salvage. And so it starts with the, 
I'm going to love this person because this person also, remember, has been setting you up with different beliefs to get to elicit that kind of emotion from you. And some of these beliefs are, I was never loved as a child and blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever understood me. So that's where you get to pouring on the love. But then for a very long time, there's not an awareness that that love isn't being returned. Because whenever we start to get those first instincts, those instincts get brushed away. So the question I have posed for you today and I'd like to hear from you on is, can you send me a list of some pros and cons about why do you think that a psychopath would deserve love? Is that is that the fear of the psychopath, are you afraid they're going to be harmed if you were to leave them? I hear a lot of that, that they're there's going to be some sort of harm to the psychopath if the kind and good person leaves, who really should leave, does end up leaving. So there's a protectiveness that goes around that. But I don't think that it, it starts. It starts because you're made to feel that way. It doesn't start probably anything that germinates out of what your belief is. So that's where I think this attachment comes to, and it's almost the same kind of thing you see with cults. And there's this um, unwavering ability to continue to see the good in the situation, no matter how th things start to kind of appear a little bit off kilter. But remember, you've been tested along the way to get to the different levels that you can absorb. So, and then they also will think of ways to keep you around. If you love me more, you'd stay around, or I'm going to kill myself if you leave me because I love you more than anything. So they use threats to prey on your love when really they are the epitome of what the absence of love is. See how it's going here? And so people are allowing themselves to be treated badly, but then it started off because the intention was love which is kind of an ironic thing. And then you come full circle and start to realize that you've been pouring your love into somebody who is not able to give you back that love. So what are the moments and what do your instincts tell you about this? Are there times when you have a kind of a, a, a clarity moment and you think, yeah, I still want to see this person again because I know I love them and I hope that things are going to change. So, but, but how much can a person really change? If, if you're talking about changing evil and somebody who can't love, where do we think that this might go? And it all starts around the big lie. It starts around the um, re not remembering to be kind to yourself. And remember that they're never going to be able to love you. But we also need to keep in touch with the fact that but you have loved, and that's where this pain that we're talking about comes from. So we're kind of grappling with things from two different angles. You fall in love with somebody who's incapable of loving you, so then you wake up and you think, what? Why? How did I do that? I'm to blame. Well, you're not to blame. This happened because of your, your own internal kindness. So it, it creates a situation that then you end up feeling unloved. See how you start loving. You love a person who can't love you back, but they lead you to believe that they can love you back. And then in the end, you feel unlovable. 
because of the ways that this person starts to turn your love and turn it into a torpedo. Um, so, you know, it's my view, they do not deserve to be loved. You have to be loving to share love. They don't deserve anyone's love. They can do none of that. So they're never going to learn to love you, but they may be able to make it appear that they love you. They might trick you into thinking, but they will be a trick. It's just a trick. Words, no actions connected. Not possible to love you. It's just, it's just not possible. It, it, it just can't happen. Except that what is possible is they can trick you into the perception that they will love you. So there's so much here to think about. And I'd like to um, read a quote from a victim that pretty much, I think I've read parts of this previously, that pretty much sums up this topic today. You want them to see you, to become warm and soften. But if they do, it's only to fool you. They meet out these false drops and trickles of love so they can maintain a hook into you. And you dangle, praying for more of something. What is it? To be seen for a nanosecond, a single strand of validation, a microscopic drop of love reciprocated, not really realizing that the love you pour onto them becomes a spider's web you weave and ensnare yourself in. Your love is perverted, turned inside out, and wielded as a weapon against you. So that kind of says it all, how this love is really a central thing here. It's what gets people involved. It's what keeps them there. It's what keeps their loyalty there. And it's the interesting part is, is that it's pouring, trying, attempting to pour love into a vessel which is unable to love, and quite the opposite. Not only the opposite of that, but the opposite of love, in this case, is evil. So that's really what we're dealing with here. So I'm going to kind of go a little bit short today, but I would like to make a comment. Um, that I realize the email systems may seem confusing, but it was set up so that people could email me and not use their own email address. That's how you choose to communicate. But the other option is email me directly. And all the links for the donations and the emails and all that are below. But if you use the email box, and I got a couple of them this week again, and not your own email server, that's fine. But if you'd like a reply, make sure you type your email into the form before you click send. So that way I'll know that you're giving me permission to reply and then it's okay to reply. So anyway, so that's it on there. So anyway, I will look forward to chatting with you next week. So be thinking about this love issue, how, how full circle and love can get so perverted in the hands of a psychopath. So till next week, be safe out there. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.